You're tuned in to the Why Sound Works podcast, presented by Soundtrack. Have you ever wondered how an Osla, Dimmock, Armada, and Big Beat Atlantic releasing producer approaches his productions and gets his professional sound? If so, you'll want to check out this episode. What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode number two of the Why Sound Works podcast. I'm going to be your host, Daniel, the founder of SoundShock. The Why Sound Works podcast is dedicated to helping you become a better music producer by exploring the music production process with professional music producers and industry professionals. In each episode, I chat with music producers from all over the world about the technical details of how they create their music starting from the first mini note all the way to the mastering stage. This podcast is presented by SoundShockAudio.com, a site dedicated to the modern music producer where all your music production needs are met with free plugins, presets, samples, loops, contact instruments, as well as the most comprehensive music production tutorials online, all for free. In this episode... I'm going to be chatting with a very good friend of mine that I met in music production school around four years ago at San Francisco's Pyramine Music Production School. Jameson Thies is most known for his incredible sound design and his innovative and eclectic bass music productions. In the podcast, we like to do a little bit of joking around, but also hit on some very important topics that will be helpful for you in your music production journey. We go over why playing new instruments is the must for you guys, the importance of experimenting, excellent tips for creating your own sound, how to view the production process, how Jameson Thieves masters his own tracks to a professional level, why you should keep evolving as a producer, and so much more. This podcast runs for about an hour and 40 minutes and is pure gold as far as tips, tricks, and advice to help you in your musical productions, as well as the comedic value that it has. Now, if you guys want to hear a particular artist on the podcast, feel free to send me an email at daniel at soundshockaudio.com. That is daniel at soundshockaudio.com, and I will get in contact with this artist. Also, if you enjoyed the podcast, feel free to leave a comment and review on iTunes as this will help boost the popularity of the podcast and more producers will be able to find this podcast and get value from it. So without further ado, let's get into the Jameson Thieves episode of Why Sound Works. So Jake, I want to give a big thank you for coming on the second episode of Why Sound Works. Thank, thank you, you for having me, Daniel. Um, I'm just happy, happy to be here, happy to be talking about sound, and uh, let's get on into it, folks. I have to ask, what is, what is, what is that you're speaking into right now? What is, what's this effect you got going? This is a standard condenser microphone. So just because I don't want any, any haters... Yes, I do have a second microphone hooked up to 
my Roland Space Echo from the 80s. Um, and if you do hear any psychedelic clusters of auditory frequency emanating my voice in the surrounding bubble of somethingness, then you can phone it in that that space echo is plugged in. I see. I just felt like I needed to have you clarify that because, you know, someone could be listening and they could just think something's coming from outer space or something like that and just could freak, completely freak out. So I'm just, I'm, pr- I'm protecting the viewers here, letting them know that it, it is in fact you with the space right. echo. I'm, <laughs> you know what they say? You don't keep crickets where there's nothing to eat crickets. <laughs> that made no sense at all. Yeah, it did. <laughs> I'll, I'll let the I'll let the uh, listeners there make their sense of it. Okay, co- comment on this podcast if that if the, if that joke made sense to any of you. So, Daniel, <laughs> how'd you get into becoming a podcaster? That's a very good question. Artists like you have inspired me to create podcasts. The podcast specifically for Why Sound Works to really get into really what makes your productions work. So I really want to ask first, you know, for everyone who doesn't know who Jameson Thieves is, you know, how did you start the project? Um, the project was just me learning how to make, I mean, Mumbaton and dubstep at first. Um, so I was just putting the stuff that I made that I was proud of up online. And I don't know, things just sort of started happening from there. I mean, I I, I, I don't know. Uh, so why Mumaton? Why did you, was that just kind of the sound at the time? And when was this, like 2010, 2008? I don't know if Mumaton ever really had its time to be the sound at the time. It was never that prominent. I guess it was, I don't know, it was fresh. Um, This was sort of like pre-trap era. And um, it was sort of like dubstep. And then there was like all the other electronic subgenres. But then Moombatone sort of sprouted up. And I don't know, it was just, I don't know what I, where my head was at back then. I mean, I liked all sorts of stuff back then too, like, I make all sorts of shit now and I did back then. Like I never really stuck to one thing, but when I was starting, I guess the scene I related to most heavily was the Mumatun scene. Right. Um, probably because I felt like maybe at the time, like dubstep was, attracting like a a crowd that just like still being in like school and stuff like people that I didn't want to really relate to as much so maybe I subconsciously forced myself to just find something kitty corner so I could not be associated with certain vibes anyways is that is that kind of how you got into your own just kind of bass house just bass music almost like your own genre it's like you know you hear one of your tracks you hear the crazy sound design that you have and it's just you can tell it's jameson three's track is that just you kind of just finding your own niche within bass music is that kind of the goal 
Um, so starting off, I sort of always put in my head that like I'm building to something. I'm like, I'm building to something bigger. And that's like, as I grow my knowledge, it's going to hit a point where my knowledge for the art of production and music in general and I'm always trying to constantly keep learning. And I've always felt like there would hit a point where um, there would be something that like clicks and you you feel like you're toned enough in all these different areas to really feel like you can sort of stand on your own in a sense. And... Um, from the beginning, I was always trying to make different genres and things to learn how that's made and what things and little techniques you have to do to pull off that genre as opposed to something else. So like if you really learn Tech House and like really get into that, you're going to have an amazing sense of groove. And then if you go make whatever you want, Moombatone or um, honestly, whatever, Trance, uh, you can bring that groove into that other genre. And I always, I would learn things every time I'd make a new genre and I would make it enough times to where I felt like, all right, now what I'm making is like competent in this arena. It's not just me pulling it off. And and then trying to fuse all of those techniques together. Um, so that's sort of, it's a, just a big, a big mixing bowl and I'm just experimenting and... I just, I feel like art should make people feel something. It doesn't matter what, but I just want to strive to make something that if it like, whether it's emotional or it's just like a crazy track, there's something about it that in my head, if I'm releasing it, um, it like, it did something for my emotional circuits that I felt like it was worthy of worthy of putting out. Do you have an emotion in mind when you're making these tracks? And do you, you know, think to yourself, okay, I want, you know, the audience to feel this way about this track or has it kind of just happened just organically? Yeah. Um, in, in my case, I mean, I guess sometimes I could I can know where something's going. Like the intros got like I don't know um a major to minor tra- like key transition and like an augmented chord. I know that the drop's not going to really evoke anything um too bright, but I can't really say that I put that mindset out most of the time because usually I'm just experimenting and then some cool stuff happens and then it's like, oh, that like, that, um, I don't know, it hits me somewhere mm-hmm. and then I'm like, all right, this is it. And I know I could I could go through like 700 different like sounds and like um, fucking with the synth for... 10 hours but like when it happens i always 
I always know. I, I catch it sometimes. You know, I feel that's really important. I feel like a lot of music, especially today, uh, doesn't have that emotion. Uh, artists aren't really looking to evoke emotion in others with their music, which, in my opinion, I think is kind of the essence of music and really art. How do you feel about the music that's being put out today, specifically in the EDM world? In while to a degree, I I can I can agree with what you're saying. I didn't say that it it has to make you feel emotion. I just said it should it should make you it should just make you like feel something. Like even if it's like you being like oh, fuck yeah, like you're listening to um, Chief Keef or something and you're like, fuck yeah, I don't give a fuck. I'm, I'm a fucking badass. Mm-hmm. More money, whatever. Like, um, do you know just that vibe? Like, it's fun to listen to, like, I like I like listening to rap music sometimes like that when I'm like driving. You like, you just feel like, you feel like cool for a second or something. I don't know. Um, just feel something. Right. I don't right. know. that. Uh, but like ripping off like something uh, not ripping off but just like being generic and like trying to fit the mold if someone's already heard it then they're not going to feel quite as much when they hear it again there's nothing like when you hear something for the first time and it hits you and you're like what it, what is this this is so good like i'll i'll have like spotify playlists on or something and i'll be like from doing like video work or something on my computer and occasionally you know some some song some song I'll hit and like I don't know you just it resonates with you so heavily and I don't know I just I I want to do I want my music to do that I don't want it to just sit in a stack well it definitely does but, it definitely does that and that's a goal I, obviously music is subjective that can only everyone can have their own opinion and different people will feel different ways. But yeah, no, I should have said no yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, a big part of that I feel like is your sound design. That's what gives, you know, the listener that, you know, you know, what the fuck, or this is awesome, you know, feeling, you know, how really do you approach your sound designing? Because it seems like, and like every single song that you have, you have some unique sound coming in. I like making sounds. It's like you, you have like a unique sound coming in like almost every song. Uh, you know, I, I, how do you go about creating, you know, unique, unique sounds? Like what are some techniques that you use or how do you approach it? It's tough. I asked myself that every time I start another song. So it's always, you know, just trying to find a new avenue to make a new sound, whether that be just in, you downloading new synths or really anything. Is, I don't. I don't just download new synths. <laughs> I buy all my software. And um, what? But well, we all do. We all do. No, we all I, do. I, I know. I'm. I'm saying that's great. I'm no. I I do a lot of like computer, like Xcode stuff. I I have respect for software developers. Anyways, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. Um, I I don't. I don't. I don't do Xcode, but. Yeah, edit that out. Yeah, I was about to say I can edit. Th- I can edit stuff. <laughs> you should leave it in now. Okay. Yeah, we'll leave it in now. Just JK guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey guys. 
what you just heard was this brand new show called The Mirage featuring Bim Fan Setson and Kurt. I'm Bim Fan and Daniel's Kurt. We're both playing fictional characters talking about a fictional topic and uh, neither of our personas nor does the Soundshock um, Soundshock LLC take responsibility for what is said by members not affiliated directly to the company. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. <laughs> glad, glad we got that cleared for, for, clear for, for, for legal you gotta clear it up. for legal reasons. I feel like I should do that before every episode. Just do a really long, like, legal legal type thing. Just read, like, a whole page. <laughs> <laughs> 20 minutes in. And now, why sound works? <laughs> you should make everyone who listens sign an NDA because the tips are so good. (laughs) You can't share them. If you share them with anyone, there'll be men in black on your doorstep shackling you to a dead lamb. An NDA. That's, that's a good one. You should definitely have an NDA for everyone that'll be included with the, yeah, the podcast. There'll be a, uh, have to sign, have to sign. So no, no miners, <laughs> only mountaineers, baby. <laughs> only mountaineers. But I'm a but cowboy. I'm a cowboy. Cowboy. Okay, so all right. I get asked this all the time. I I get tired of answering it. Not so much. I get tired of answering. It. It's just we need we need an expert's opinion here. Mastering. <laughs> Everyone wants to know, hey man, what's your master chain? What does it look like? What's your opinion on the loudness wars? What's happening with everything? I don't know. Do you master your own tracks first off? Yes, I've mastered everything I've ever put out besides Inside the Flames, Spirit Wars, and 24s. Wow! So you ma- wow, that's a lot of songs mastered. I, why hundreds? I've mastered a lot of songs. <laughs> that is a lot. So why do you master your own songs? Why do you prefer to do them over having a mastering engineer do them? Sort of um, early on, you know. I I mean, I got ozone, and I took a long time learning it. It was honestly, it was like it was one of the first things that like before I even really understood synthesis much, I could, I could, I knew my way around ozone and, uh, I just had a really good idea of how to get something pretty fat and pretty loud. And also it was like a little bit further back in the day. And it was a little, I feel like it was like a little harder to do back then. Like now with like maximizer and ozone eight and, um, like uh that dmg audio i can't think of limitless Limitless, yeah just like yeah there's just like some fucking beasts now (laughs) that make it a lot make it a lot easier to get a really nice sounding loud mix but i could do it in ozone 5 really well and uh just i i got songs signed to like sort of smaller labels you know coming up and uh they'd always be like all right and send us a pre-master 
for um, our mastering engineer. And I'd always get it back, and I like, I felt like, wow, this is so cool. There's going to be like a real mastering engineer on this, and then it comes back, and it sounds like, I just, just not how. Like I don't even like it anymore. It does not sound how I wanted it to sound, and so I just spent time to make sure. I could get my shit as loud as, like, Skrillex. I mean, that's a stretch. <laughs> Just, like, who knows? Whoever I was listening to at the time, not a strum. Or, um, you know... Mm-hmm. Etc. Etc. Like whoever you know, I'd put their shit in and just be like, all right. Or I would burn mine onto a CD because um, I had these old CDJs that do just take CDs. They don't have USB. I would burn my song onto a CD and I would do a mix and I would mix for like this is hilarious because I hardly ever like DJ by myself anymore. But I would mix for like twenty minutes and then I would like drop my track at like 25 minutes in and it was like there's all this build up let's see if this shit lives up to the hype <laughs> and most of the time you're just like oh, no 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 but then eventually you get you, you get some and then gets easier to get those and that's yeah, just getting better so are you mastering your tracks loud now uh i honestly i master my tracks less loud now than ever what's what's less loud i, I feel like that could mean you know different things for different producers like uh rms like, like lufs oh yeah well less loud like uh the masters are a little less compressed and you get a little less loudness units okay are you using like multiple limiters to kind of uh craft your sound on the master channel like what are you usually using on this i met you mentioned that you used like uh an earlier version of ozone are you still using earlier versions of ozone or using like the latest well if i'm mixing my own stuff then i'm always using ozone 5 on the master and then i go into ozone 8 maximizers too usually oh so you're using Um, five Ozone 5 oh, wow. for the legwork. Really? There's nothing like vintage gear. <laughs> <laughs> it is like <laughs> it is like vintage though, 5. Yeah, it's at this like, point. It's like probably 10 years old. It's it's digital vintage. Yeah. <laughs> but honestly, no, it's just like I dialed this shit in so well a long time ago. And I always produce with it on it. So I've just like grown accustomed to like working with it on and it sounds good. So I've never changed it. So I still ozone five. But sometimes if I'm mixing stuff for other people, um, they haven't like mapped the frequencies out the way that I do, where essentially just like my sub is always going to be peaking the highest and then sort of work its way down the highs or try to keep it smooth even while I'm working just so I make sure everything's in a uh, in a nice place there's no surprises and you said you're using multiple maximizers from eight after that after you do the most of the leg work with the ozone five yeah I'm sometimes one 
sometimes too. Usually it'll be like one around five or six, negative five or six on like um, balanced um, algorithm. Sorry, are you keeping like your instruments in your track like at specific numbers since you kind of have that ozone five chain kind of set? Or like, how do you kind of go about that? You said you had your, you know, your sub fairly uh, consistent, right? Well, it's more the shape. I don't worry about the numbers until I already have the limiting on it. And then I know what numbers I want. Okay. But before it's mastered, there's no point to even look because the mastering is going to change the levels all anyways. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if you're really good at mastering, like um, Dark Art, Shout out to that dude that he mastered inside the flames and um, 24s and screws, blah, blah. Um, but he he's super. He's so good. Um, that's a different story. But for someone like just like a kid in their bedroom uh, with ozone. So what I, what curve are you looking for then? You said you really look more at a curve on the frequency analyzer what what shape are you looking for just something that is highest on the left and close to lowest on the right but not too far off <laughs> you know what i mean I, I kind of yeah i mean so like this if you're looking at a spectrum analyzer yeah, just a the, slight the sub, tilt down right the sub's higher right, right. Until it's down. Yeah, subs highest till it's down. And there's like obviously there's friction within that distance, but um, we'll man the storm. Are you one of those producers that takes forever mixing their tracks? That just agonizes uh, over everything. I used to be. What happened? You just like I'm done. You know, agonizing over it. I don't know. <laughs> I wish I I wish I had an answer to that. <laughs> I just had a point. Um, I don't know what it is. I don't know if like I don't know because I I was so uh, caught up in it all the time, and then eventually something like flipped. I would spend I would spend hundred hours, two hundred. Uh, oh no, not two hundred. I spent a hundred hours like mixing something. Oh wow! And that's a long time. Trying to get like an entire like week, like twelve, thirteen hours a day on the same mix down. You know, I mean, you were you were with me in San Francisco. Yeah, you you knew I would do shit like that. You, you definitely mixed down some stuff for a very long time, and I was like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> yeah, just, like, did so many versions and everything. Everything had to like. I just had to tam like timbre mix everything, and um, you know it takes so much time, and it, it was cool. But like now, the stuff that I get, not doing that, I like I hardly I used to have like ten sends in every track, like every session that just uh, were like my my template, and I would use all of these sends, and my master chain had like seven plugins on it and now it's like there's a lot of shit i don't even eq i there's a lot of shit in my projects now like i don't touch they're just completely 
on their own. I don't even think about EQing them, but I'm like, it sounds good. This is like done. I don't, I'm not going to go around and like create problems. If it serves the purpose and gets across like that feeling or that thing that makes you feel something, that's what it's about. It's not about, it's not about, I don't know. How well, how well your snare drum is mixed. <laughs> well, and, and the thing is, the thing is, I could, I could spend a week on something and I could, like, there's songs where it's like, no, that doesn't, like, the snare drum does not even sound that good. I could make something, like, in a, in a day right now and just pick a couple better samples and not, I, I don't know, like, you can, you can trick yourself into thinking that you're the longer you work on it the better it's gonna get but sometimes you're just end up destroying the mix you could destroy the mix you could just be stuck in a loop of changing little things that like no one's gonna uh appreciate besides you but if that can get you to listen to your own tunes then hey so be it i feel it you know i always tell producers this if you have good sound selection, you have a good arrangement, you you know your melodies or whatever baseline you're working with, you know is a is compelling and emotional and you volume mix these sounds, your track is kind of already going to sound mixed. I feel like I feel like that's one of the most underrated parts of production is just sound selection. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think, uh, I think uh, sounds I think a funny, sounds too, a funny man. too, man. <laughs> I like the little <laughs> little giggle little there. Giggle yeah, there, sounds yeah. pretty, pretty, pretty <laughs> groovy, brother. Brother, brother. But yeah, yeah. yeah. honestly, sound, sound selection, selection is the most imp- it's the most important thing. Um, I think it's more important than being really like mixing really well. Like, there's so many examples of people who make really fucking cool music and have no technical knowledge, but they have the really, really good ear and they just pick sounds that work together. And it's like, you don't even have to mix it. You could just, if the sounds really work together, there's you don't, there's not a lot of work to do because they already work. And, and the sharper your ear gets with being conscious of what's going on, what space you can and want to fill, and, um, you know, just you become aware of those things and your sound selection gets better, maybe to the point where you get so picky, you'll never pick another sound again. Now there needs to be a bigger delay on that. (laughs) You'll never pick another sound again. There you go. That was better. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, I don't like I don't to keep like the to keep long, long one on because I think it's harder to understand talking. Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. Just, I, I gotcha. I gotcha. But it's my fault for not switching it in time because that was totally my goal, but I got lazy. <laughs> Dude, did I tell you this broke? Your echo? Yeah. I. It was like... um three weeks after i bought it and the tape like jammed and i was like dude what the fuck and i looked online and all the repair people it's like four hundred dollars which i mean i would 
I would like probably do it. How, how much does that cost? That costs like 1000 right? It, oh, it's like eight. Oh my god, four hundred to repair. That's <laughs> yeah, and and be, oh, but it's only because there's like three people in the world who can do it, um, do it, and are still alive. I was like reading, I was going through forums, and people were like referring to people, and then they'd be like, "He's sorry, he's not with us anymore." <laughs> um, <laughs> so you know, it's an old piece of equipment. <laughs> yeah, when when like the um, top repairmen are just dying um, off, <laughs> cross to the other side. Yeah, but um, so I, you know, I put my foot down and I ordered uh, a tape loop and just like sat with the instruction book and learned how to uh, fix a tape machine. There you go. Yeah, that was probably the most impressive thing I've done in the past four years. <laughs> At least. <laughs> so really, the key thing to take away from this podcast of why sounds works is really reading will actually pay off in the long run. Yeah. Um, you don't want to get some Bukowski. <laughs> if, you're, if you're really looking to read... You, you want to pay off? Bukowski. You want some. Bukowski. You want some. You're going to want You know what? If you're listening to this right now, grab your car keys, drive on down to the Mon Pop, local mart, grab you a bottle of whiskey, you grab you some Bukowski, and, you know, let's spend tonight in the bath reading Bukowski and drinking rosé. Is that what you like to do uh, when you're not producing? Is those sorts of activities, hobbies? I definitely don't take baths. <laughs> um, hobbies. Yeah, what do you do besides besides music? All right. So hobbies, eh? Hobbies, yes. For a music producer, hobbies. I like. like exploring exploring existential questions and philosophical thirst worms and sometimes it's fun to golf okay to golf um and i also like um well i, ju- I like my I don't know. I pretty much like to do music stuff for fun. I like play guitars, play guitar for fun. And I guess I don't get paid. Well, I guess I do for guitar. I play on my songs. So I guess that's not a hobby. Yeah, I guess you're, I guess you're pro then. You're pro guitarist. No, I don't think. <laughs> that's funny. The Jimi Hendrix rolls over in his grave. <laughs> Um, I like to play with the synthesizer. I like to play the drums and my didgeridoo and my recorder and my xylophone and my keyboards and my bass. My bass is... You have a lot of instruments. 
I, I stack them up. Are, are can you can you play all of them pretty well? Like, are you can you just you just jam out? Like, what do you? What's like a yeah? What does a practice practice session look like for you? You're just like, oh, here's my xylophone. You just start go over there and start hitting away. Well, I mean, the xylophone or anything. Just anything. Um, the only thing I really don't. I don't know what I'm doing is the, I just, I'm not good at the didgeridoo. Oh, you actually have a didgeridoo. Yeah. I thought, I thought that was a joke. You want me to grab it? Yeah. I, yeah, I thought, I thought that was a joke. kidding when he said that i was like oh he's just messing around with us Do you hear yeah it? yeah we all heard it <laughs> so has that made has that made an appearance in your tracks yes nothing that's out right now but uh i used it um i used it in something and it sounds so good and the thing is i didn't play it like a didgeridoo because you play the didgeridoo from like a very low your diaphragm, and it's like a really sl- it's like a really slow buzz, like a right. Um, but I I played it like you would play a trumpet, where it's higher up in your register, like a. Okay, interesting. And. It, it makes like this really weird, it sounds like, I don't know, it's like a weird horn, but it sounds like it's like going through some weird uh, like wet chamber reverb thing. And I just sort of like jammed out and like did like just like little like things and then I just put auto-tune on it and they ended up being so cool. Like... Yeah, yeah, I was so surprised, but they they sound amazing. And then I didn't even I didn't even mic it twice. I just I didn't know how to mic a didgeridoo, but I was like, I'm just gonna uh, stick a you know, I just stuck a condenser a couple of feet back and like blew away for a couple of minutes, and then it, it all sounded great. Nice. That there you go, a new way to play a didgeridoo for electronic tracks. We revolutionary. Baby, yeah. So, are are you like just trying out a bunch of new instruments? Like, is this if you're like a creative rut? Are you just like kind of just midlife crisis? Midlife crisis. What? Midlife crisis. Or, is this where you're getting? <laughs> <at>? <laughs> if you're in a midlife crisis, do you recommend trying new instruments? I always recommend trying new instruments. I think. It's so fun to just explore. Um, I, I love like going to guitar center or like music shops and picking up something as annoying as it is to everyone else. I don't know, I'm not obnoxious and loud, but like I'll pick up a banjo and I'll see what I can do with the banjo. But you know, when you're recording and the art of recording really has a big experimental factor to it and like i would love to have 
a ton of it, like instruments I don't even know how to play, but just sitting, you you set up microphones and you just mess around on them for long enough, and you're gonna you're gonna find something that that, that you can use in your tracks. Makes you, yeah, like makes you feel something, and then you're like, all right, now I can I can run with this, and like I didn't, it wasn't intentional, but you know, just exploring that new ground can be really inspiring. I feel like that's that's always going to happen. I mean, if you're an artist, it's like you need to experiment. It's it's like a never-ending experiment, really, being an artist. Yeah, and the trippiest part is you're you're sort of like experimenting with how to keep yourself. Uh, I'm I'm trying to think of how to how to describe it and maybe it's maybe this is just personal to me but i feel like you're experimenting but you're also like experimenting with ideas of like what what the overall um like bigger picture behind what you're doing is and it all is like all constantly evolving so many different uh assets and sides and you're sort of in the middle of one big experiment that you found yourself in and you're realizing how intricate it is i mean is that is that you know compared to other producers i mean your tracks you know have such unique sound design and it's always varying it's never you know it's never the same sound is that kind of you know why you do that is it just is it excites you and it keeps you the experiment going? You don't like being, you know, pigeonholed into one specific sound. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, if I if I make a song with the ex, I've, I just feel like if I was like, all right, that sound was dope. Let me grab that and like milk three or four out of this. I feel like I'm cheating, cheating people. Like I'm taking people to be dumb. Like if you want, like, I don't know. I feel like everything is a new experiment to a new realm. And I, I'm trying to reach that. And that's where I get fulfillment. I don't get fulfillment from like knocking out another one. It's about like, being able to dive into the world that is that song and, you know, like pull it off because so often that's where, uh, you fall short is you got the world, but you can't, you can't pull it off. So when you pull it off, it feels awesome. And you, you created the world, that world, you're God for the day. And then you start another song and you go back to being, a rat in the sewer. You know, there's so many... Where you belong. <laughs> you know, it's so common, like today. People just milk milk sounds, milk just whole arrangements, milk certain genres just relentlessly. I feel like there's just one big repeat button uh, for some producers. They just never really evolve. Do you think that's like a problem in this today scene? My friend, we've been on the repeat button since the Beatles. <laughs> I'm not joking. 
<laughs> but I I know I know what you mean on in like within this realm and uh honestly I don't know like it is what it is. I can't I can't uh I'm not them, so I don't know what they're thinking. I like when people keep me on my toes like artists that i follow i like when they keep me on my toes Mm -hmm. but that's not true for everyone and everyone's entitled to like what they want i feel like when you're start like when you're starting out producing though like if you're going down that whole experimental route and finding this new sound you know i'm gonna make you know the next the new genre it's like you never I feel like learning other songs, you learn the basics, you know, copying other songs, mimicking other songs, you know, how, I guess, how did you start to get improve as a producer? When you, when, when did you realize, okay, you know, my productions are starting to sound professional? I don't know. That's, that's a tough one, but I want to, um, retrace our steps mm-hmm. very quickly to when you're starting out and you're trying to find that new sound and that new, like, unique... If you're starting out, what I would recommend is <clears throat> make 5, 10... I mean, make 15, whatever whatever number in between those or over them, um, but no less than, uh, like, trap songs. And then bass house whatever piques your interest dubstep uh synth wave um witch house happy hardcore whatever whatever you want you're gonna have to learn how to make that style and there's certain techniques in every in every genre and if you're starting out and you want to create like that new sound like right now what like all the new sounds are just combinations of other sounds that exist. So the way you get to a new sound is by being able to make a lot of different types um, and then blending them together in ways that someone hadn't done and then giving it a clever name. (laughs) Is it kind of how you kind of progressed and really built up, I guess, your production toolkit and arsenal uh, by you know, making many different songs in specific genres and taking away things and kind of, you know, melding it into your own hybrid type track. Oh yeah. I mean, I've, I've literally been like all over the map, like inside of Dawes from like recording like metal bands to, um, making world music you know, to rap songs, to um, Norwegian throat mafia. <laughs> what? Um, no, not not the last one. But um, I, I haven't. Done, I was, I I was waiting to call out BS on the last one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess I haven't done that much, but uh, I. But it was natural to me. I I'm I have such a short like attention and interest span. I get like sick of things. If, if it's like too often and uh, so I can't really listen to the same genre over and over and I get bored and then that really translates creatively because 
the second I finish one, like the second I'm like, Oh, I just made like this awesome, like melodic house tune. I'm like time to make a fucking squelchy drum and bass. You know, like I've mm-hmm. like, it's like a, um, polar opposites rather than like meeting in the middle. Mm-hmm. I gotcha in a way. So that's why it can be a little hard to predict. Did you have any specific like tutorial <laughs> tutorial sites or anything? Like, how else did you learn? You produced a lot. You you know were you watching a lot of tutorials when you were learning? Yeah, I mean, I was. It's real interesting because I, I couldn't tell you like what one of them were, but I watched videos all day. I mean, I. I finished my last two years of high school online and I was already like starting to produce at the time. And so I would have my school open in one tab and then I'd have Ableton in another tab. And I would like my school only took like an hour out of the day and the rest of the day I would just watch like Ableton videos. And what I would do, which was the most valuable thing maybe that I did that's actually practical for other people is learn a skill and then just spend the day like just like overusing it sort of like just drill it in so you know it so well use it constantly like if you're like one day like this is was like a good example um for me that's like a real example like i watched um culprit's master class at maybe point blank or somewhere like that um I bought it one day when I was living in Colorado and um, he like does a a little, a bit like segment on glitches and like different ways to make glitches. And so I basically stayed up that whole night and just like went into sessions that I had and added glitches, like as many glitches as I could and like using every technique from the video to like, uh, and then trying to build on them too. So like, adding extra adding more things that weren't there so it sounds like i don't know different just trying to create my own lane in that sort of um effect even even though you wouldn't it's not that discernible but um so then by the end of that day it was like all right well now whenever i want to like you know do do glitches and stuff i have this toolkit and i spent all this time um like drilling it in my brain now like it's it's in there and mm-hmm. you know you have to like make sure you keep up on things you can forget how to do stuff which is weird but yeah i think just like learn a skill and apply it until you are 100 percent confident you know it and then watch another video apply that skill and eventually before like way before you'd even think you'll be like, wow, I actually have more than enough to put the pieces together. I feel like that's, you know, such a huge part of like the ear training aspect of it. It's like, you know, what's, you know, one technique sounds like, and it starts building on top of each other. And like you said before, you know, it, you just, you have all these techniques that you could use, you know, they're at your disposal, you know, kind of where you're at now. I mean, are you, are you watching tutorials at all? Um, most of the tutorials, yeah, I watch tutorials all the time. I'll watch, like, 
uh, I spent a day, um, couple, like last week, uh, on negative harmony, which I'm still trying to um, completely <coughs> add as a tool. Mm-hmm. I I understand it on paper to a pretty all right degree, but um, you know, applying it, it's tougher and like having it at my disposal where it's like, yo, I can use this whenever is tough because it's such a weird thing. Mm-hmm. It's such a weird phenomena. You're basically going to a different key, but it's like a shadow of the other key. So it sounds familiar. So you can like leave the key and then, um, go back. And it's just like, it's, it's like, it's crazy with Jacob, Jacob, uh, Kale does really good, explanation video and then you can find people who explain his explanation video and then <laughs> uh work your way up from there i definitely did yes, but i'll watch videos on but that doesn't mean i won't i won't watch dance music ones i've been watching i just watched a claude von stroke master class the other day like two, a couple of days ago yeah def- i still watch it mm-hmm, nice so you know, I feel like a lot of people don't understand how much time it takes to produce and how much time it actually takes to get good. I'll get people message me all the time, and I'm sure you do too. You know, their music their music isn't quite there, and they're like, you know, what's the one thing that I could do to, you know, get to that professional level? Like, how much, how long have you been producing, and like, how many hours a day do you produce? So that's a that's a dynamic question um <laughs> is it I, I thought that's a kind of a numbers thing <laughs> that's pretty uh non-dynamic that's pretty uh <laughs> yeah but there's variation in these numbers i mean you can you, you can create a mean add them up and divide by how many uh, uh, <laughs> okay okay go go ahead go dude, ahead yeah, go ahead go ahead that's literally <laughs> the most math major thing you could fucking get out of here um <laughs> Uh, what was the question? <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't okay. get. I can't get over that. I, that, that dude, I learned that like elementary school. A la mode, a la, a la mode, mean mode, mean mode, median. mean mode, and, and median, median, median. Yeah, median. there you go. Uh, oh yeah. So, how many hours a day do you produce? Oh, you asked when I started. Oh, that's that too. Right. That too. Like, how many years have you been producing for? All right. So, on paper. On paper. On paper, about nine years. Nine years. Okay, a while. And you're 23 now, right? 23 now. So you started pretty pretty 14. early on. Yeah, my mom drove me to this place to do production classes. Really? We would, yeah, we would record bands. Oh, nice. And then I got like a DAW, or I'd like Mixcraft. And um, we would use Pro Tools there. I didn't... We didn't really do that, though, so much. We would mostly do, like, learn how to mic stuff. And, like, um, we would also play, we would, like, we would be the bands we recorded. So there was, like, eight of us, and um, what four would uh, engineer for the night and record the other four. And the other four would either, like, usually we'd just, like, put a jam together while they're setting stuff up. And then we'll record the jam and then like 
there was like a guy there who uh, was like an engine, like um, sound engineer and um, producer. And then he would uh, like help us out or whatever, show us how to do things. Better. So you've you've really done a lot with music, you know, just listening to your music, like your bait, like just the recent tunes that you released. Like you wouldn't think that oh this artist you know as a kid he was you know recording bands he's got a didgeridoo in his you know room experimenting with all these different you know genres Norwegian gangster <laughs> Norwegian oh shit yeah I forgot anyways it was so ridiculous that you couldn't remember it <laughs> but yeah people don't really yeah you know I've interviewed other producers and the really good ones have you know a diverse musical background. They've experimented a lot, I feel like. I feel like that really comes down to the experimenting. It's like in order to be in this kind of field, you need to be comfortable with experimenting and changing. Would you kind of say that's that's kind of been your path? Dude, I mean... That's been the one constant, I guess. If you put art as your first passion, you are in a never-ending experiment for the rest of your life. There you go. Like, uh, so yeah, I think if you, if you can embrace the experiment and you know, if maybe that comes through in your art, if you, you're channeling that, that essence, but, um, if you can embrace it, then it's not so bad. How many hours a day do you produce? Oh yeah. I I just, I just want to get this across because you know, you've released on what? You released on Osla, you've released on Armada, you've released on you know, what other big labels have you released on? Like Dimmock and you know, a bunch of others. And I don't think kids these days realize how much time it takes to get to a certain level in production. Everyone wants it now. Right. Um so lucky enough for me, <laughs> I was going to high school and then I decided to do it on my computer and so then I'd be at home like all day and um I would everyone else was at school there was literally no one like I couldn't even text people wouldn't even text back at school you know there was like no distractions so I would just sit and I'd have hours and eventually it just got to the point where it was like I knew it was my new life to wake up and I'm spending at least like, you know, I already would spend all day on music. That's the thing is like, I would even back in the day when I would like, you know, shittily record a drum set and like a guitar and make like a pirate rock song, (laughs) um, which I totally did. And, um, I had friends like we would, that's all we did. All I didn't have a lot of friends. Like all my closest friends um, were musicians. So when we hung out, we played music or mm-hmm. we'd record music and and stuff. So, uh, but eventually it hit a point with like the production stuff where I knew that like I don't know. I really I really wanted to do it and I really wanted to get good at it. And I knew that if if you want to get good at something, then it's all you do. 
I guess that's how ever my brain was wired. So then it was basically like, all right, I'm getting up and the only thing on my to-do list since then has been, you know, to get ideas out and, and, uh, just work, call my friends every once in a while. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember in Pyramind, I mean, you used to work relentlessly on music and, you know, I remember the people around the people going to that school, we could tell that you were going to make something, uh, some of yourself in the music industry. Uh, we could see it, uh, just the sheer amount of work that you put into it. Uh, you know, personally, I was actually pretty inspired by how much work you put into stuff. Well, thank you. I couldn't, I couldn't believe that you, you just not sleep some days. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I like wake up the next day and you just be working on the same song. I'm like, did you sleep? Like, no. <laughs> you know, if it's happening, I could, I couldn't go to sleep even if I went to bed, you know, like if it's, everything's working, you know, like a lot of days, nothing works, but then certain days, everything was working. And if you stop, then it's over and you have to wait for the next day for everything to work again. Right. That's, I don't know if I'm insane or if everyone has a sort of uh, experience like that, but that's totally my experience. So my, my lack of sleep is always like other people should be happy when it's happening because it means that something's working. Right. And that's what's kept me up and things are going well. Cause you know, I have no problem going to bed early when <laughs> everything's shitty. <laughs> No ideas. Although back in the day, and this is this is definitely worth uh, for anyone listening who's just starting off. I said that I'm. I'll go to bed early when uh, the ideas aren't coming. That's that's. I don't really do that much, but occasionally, and that's also now, and usually, like, I don't know. I have everything in order that I need to take care of and um, I'm on track with what I need to do and I'm not still like grinding to get to um, to get my sound up to a certain level. When I was starting, uh, my whole philosophy was that there was like no such thing as writer's block and there's n- no such thing as... Um, you know, like there was no excuses. Mm-hmm. Like I would, and if I, an idea didn't come, then I would try the next one. And if it didn't come, then I would keep trying. And uh, I would just always make sure that I, I would essentially flip the clock. When I was in um, Boulder in San Francisco, and I spent about like, dude, honestly, pretty much through LA but LA I there was a little bit more um days to like go out and do things this, this, was, what, this like, was like a three-year period right uh about, yeah about three, three, yeah yeah about three years um three and a half whatever um 
But I would, yeah, it was like every single day. If I wait, it, my sleep schedule is the most random thing. You could literally, um, they could use it to draw lottery numbers. But, <laughs> um, so if I wake up at 4 p.m., then I'm going to, you know, drink some coffee or like a kombucha. I'm going to like maybe play guitar or piano for a little bit. Just like do like the the morning stuff I would do then. And then starting on like the the like beginning of the next hour, I'm working until that time um, 12 hours later. Mm-hmm. So 5 a.m., 5 p.m. sort of thing. And I would do that every day with the exception of, um, I mean, even if I had classes, I would get home from classes at like you know, 8 p.m. and be like, all right, well, I guess no sleep tonight because I have to make a song that's in my head, but I also have to be up at eight, like 9. So it's either I like lose this idea and then just like get anxiety about it and get like three hours of sleep anyways, or just stay up and, you know, get some, uh, Phil's coffee, um, ginger snap. I really like Phil's coffee, ginger snap with almond milk. Shout out, shout out Phil's. Yeah. This brings me to an important point. Um, how sound works is brought to you in part by, Phil's Coffee. When you're waking up and you got no energy, you need a buzz. And you need it from Phil. Ain't no one got the stuff like Phil. <laughs> Yo, I haven't had coffee this month since 1912. I feel like we can actually send that to Phil's Coffee and you'd somehow get like a commercial out of that, some sort of radio commercial, possibly a actually TV commercial out of that. That was, that was good. That's what I'm trying to say. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I feel like Um, that's a second career option that you could explore. And to anyone over at Phil's, uh, you know, I won't turn down a free cup. (laughs) Just offer, you know, where like are are there Phil's only in like Northern California? Where are Phil's Coffee actually? There's Phil's in LA. Is there? Yeah. Is it a California thing? I think so. I that's that's a, honestly that's a good question. I'm pretty curious. That's yeah. I feel like I saw a Phil's. Uh, it would be a stretch to say that I actually would back my word on this. I don't think I do, but I felt like I saw Phil's in Portland. Okay. Phil's coffee. <laughs> I have to know. There's... That's, I don't know why that, that really just bothered me uh, for a second. I think they're all cal. Oh, wait, San Francisco, Los Angeles and Washington. Okay. D C D sizzle. D sizzle. Maybe. <laughs> I never heard that. That's weird. That is weird. All the way across the country, you have to get like different suppliers and stuff. That is really weird. Well, you got to get the president that cup of J. <laughs> That's true. 
It's true. That that goes to yeah. show you how important Phil's coffee is. It's just and I'm gonna go to Pete's. What am I? What am I? A fucking sewer rat? Hey. Dude, Pete's is actually pretty good. I used to work at Pete's. I would get but I would get the dude, the cold brew is crack. It's literally fucking crack. I would get that shit and I just like was, nice coffee? Dude, I felt like pinky in the brain. <laughs> It's every time I drink it, that shit. It's pretty strong. Like Pete's coffee is like stronger than like the normal American coffee. You had some cool jobs. Remember when you worked at that one cafe? Yeah, that was Pete's. Oh yeah, but you would get free food. Oh yeah, that was a Pete's and the specialties. Specialties was actually pretty yeah. good. It was like, like a combo. That was a pain in the ass though because they wanted me to work specialties too, and like Pete's was obviously way easier knowing how to make drinks and stuff like that. I never made sandwiches and shit. But like they had asked me to like deliver stuff, and it's like I just I just want to make some fucking coffee. Yeah, <laughs> like fuck off. <laughs> no, I feel you, dude. I, I mean, it's a completely different story. It is. It really is. That's a whole other life. And like food, I don't know. No, I mean, I, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, like if I'm if I'm hired as a barista or like a drink oh, mixer, right, right, right. I, I'm not touching the food because I don't like, I don't even like to smell food. I hate smelling food when I'm not hungry. And so right. like working around food all the whenever time. I've, yeah. Whenever I've worked at restaurants, it drives me insane. I just feel sick all the time. Right. You know what? I just got the idea. Huh. You just try a second channel. Second YouTube channel where it's daily diet, daily workout, and motivation. I feel like you would be good at that. You'd be good at a motivational channel. You'd just be like, <laughs> hey guys, um, it's Daniel. You know, I woke up today and I was like, really don't feel like waking up. But, you know, that's when you got to get your hiney out of bed. Turn that shower water to ice cold blue and, uh, you know, get that day started. So I got myself some uh, bone broth protein here (laughs) with uh, uh, I've got a plant based kale superfood mixture that I'm just going to mix together in there along with some apple cider vinegar. We're going to stir this up and saute it just a minute or so. Then we're going to put it in the blender. That way, it gets a really nice uh, smoky flavor when we add the mustard. So I go and I take my shower while that's sitting, preparing. Um, maybe drink a kombucha in the shower if it's a t- you know one of those days. Uh, anyways, um, so the whole time I'm in the shower, you guys, you know, my mind's thinking, oh, another day. Do I have to, you know? Make another video on um uh, on um uh, side chaining. You know I've done four, but uh you know this what this is what uh the world needs. So I gotta get myself in the mindset when I'm in that shower. I tell you when I'm in that shower and the cold water is hitting my body, all I think about is uh my workout and what I'm gonna do to make me better each and every day, and. Uh, you know, that's what it's really about at the end of the day here, uh, you guys. And you see me, I'm in my towel right now. I'm My shower water's on, but I got so inspired that I needed to share what I was thinking with you. And uh, 
you know, all I have to say is if I can do it, you can do it too. And then cuts. And then you got your shake. Hey, guys, got dressed. Um, new beanie, right? Uh, got this one from me, mom. Uh, now we're going to add the mustard into my bone broth shake. That's my own personal flavor. And then we're going to mix it up there. Uh, once we drink that down, we're going to head out to the gym. I hate being sober. I'm a <laughs> Hey, guys. Just got to the gym. Looks a little crowded today. Looks like I'm going to have to show some of these bad boys up, eh? <laughs> Just kidding. Walk in. Oh, hey, Corey. Didn't know you were here today. Hey, Strongin. Spot me, man. Oh, no. I have to use the restroom. I got a wee. Oh, Strongin. You've always had the tiniest bladder. Hey, guys. Usually, I don't like to take my vlog camera in the bathroom, but there's an ex-girlfriend I used to date in high school here, and she doesn't seem to want to get off the elliptical. I think I got to split back home. Cut her car. Take you to the candy shop. Oh, hey, guys. I'm just driving back home. Couldn't get the workout in today because my ex was there, and, you know, I don't like awkward. So, uh, I mean, let's just say it's a cheat day. There's a Dunkin' Donuts. I'll grab a couple munchkins, uh, maybe an iced coffee with vanilla. Um, you know, we'll call it a cheat day. Won't happen again the next day. <laughs> what do you use for pre-drops? Like, what's, like, the craziest thing you used? And don't say my voice from Prague. <laughs> I know, I haven't. I never actually... I mean, what did I do with that song? I don't know. Um, fuck, the craziest thing? That, I don't know. What do you usually do? Do you usually just, like, throw in some one-shot samples? Well. The stereotypical one-shot samples? No, it's fun. It's nice that you asked. I, uh, so lately, like, I either record vocals for something myself or work with a vocalist, uh, and in which case the pre-drop is usually going to be related and it's going to be like from that source audio. But what I've been doing a lot for songs where they're not like vocally driven is I have this module on my synthesizer that uh, picks up FM radio signals and I'll scroll through and, dude, you'd be fucking surprised. The radio is 75 to 80% commercials. The only channels that, like, I go to that have music are the classical stations. There's two of them. They always have music playing. The, all the other ones, it's always a commercial. And then occasionally, like, Smells Like Teen Spirit or something will play. <laughs> but uh, I'll I'll just, like... It's running through a granular processor. Um, it's just like a granular resynthesizer in real time on the uh, modular synth. And uh, I'll record, I'll modulate the voices of commercials and record the commercials. So it'll be like, um, or NPR. 
I'll put NPR on while they have interviews with people, and then I'll like pitch shift the voice and stuff and try to get it to sound like a little trippier. And then I'll just like, I don't know, I'll just like chill out and let the interview sort of record, and then I'll listen to it and I'll get like certain phrases. Like, there's there's some good ones. Like I got this one that's like this flabbergasted British lady who's just like, what is this sound? And it's like the per- I'm still like I have it in my uh, holster just to use at the perfect time. And I have a guy talking about he lived on a potato diet for like months or something. Are you, are you serious? I sort of got to have it, but uh, it's, a, it's not super usable, but it's hilarious. I saved them. So I'll go through at the end and I'll like chop out phrases that are like, all right, that could make some sort of sense or something. Um, and I have them. I have a bunch of phrases from it saved. They're pretty funny. So like the radio, I never really thought of that. That's like gold for pre-drops with commercials and NPR on it. Just like talk radio. The fucked thing is that this module can't get AM radio or else that is the ultimate right pre-drop heaven because it's just talking all the time and people who are fired up about shit on AM radio too. <laughs> and that's what you want for pre-drops. Right, right. People like who are fired up, yeah. Yeah, I see like the like, NPR. That's, that's NPR is... They're just... It's it's so low-key. They occasionally get excited but NPR, a bunch of... A uh, bunch of... Sleepy Sally's. <laughs> Do you listen to the radio anymore? Um, if I'm in LA, I listen to. I forget exactly the station. I have it saved in my car, but uh, it's like eighty-eight five or something, eighty-seven five. It's college radio, and they just have students come in and DJ. So it's something different every single time. And like one of my good friends, um. And I, we have like a unspoken rule where like when we're in the car together, that's what plays. Like if we're, if we're in the car with anyone, that's what plays. And one of the like fair points about it is that you have no idea what it could be. So it's right. just like, this is our fair game. And literally one time we listened and it was Swedish noise orchestras. <laughs> and the guy played an hour of Swedish noise orchestras, the dude after him went straight into like warehouse German techno. Sometimes you'll go on there and it's like mariachi. Sometimes it's like black metal. Sometimes it's just straight punk all day. Sometimes like literally anything besides mainstream music. It's just all like crazy weird niche college radio shit. I listen to it all the time out there. It's my favorite thing. Really? Uh, I'll have yeah, to dude, listen to that. I'm, so, about to, I'm about to go to LA. What is it? 88 point? I'll, I'll send the uh, for sure one to you. Um, remind me. But 87.5, 88.5. I'll figure it out though. Tonight. Okay. I'll let you know. Um, yeah, college radio is all over the place, man. I, I used to yeah. DJ uh, in college at the radio yeah. station. Did you do like pro- Progressive House? I did Progressive House, Electro House, all that stuff. The Pronic Beat. That that was my would you, show. Would you do transitions or would you let the song end? Oh hell yeah! No, I do trans. I would trans. So you were like mixing. Uh, oh yeah, I was I was mixing live. I was. That's a I dream was, come true. For I was legit. College DJ. Oh yeah, no, it was. I was Dude, no, I was yeah, legitimately I doing. It. I was that. I was mixing 
while I was speaking over uh, with stuff, you know, about the song, you know, who it is, you know, that, that sort of thing while I was mixing. And then I would just, you know, also just go in the crazy mixes where I do as fast as I can. So, you know, mix it up between talking and mixing fast. So, yeah, that was a dream. But I remember just all the other students. It was all over the place. Yeah. Uh, like you said, they're playing, you know, could be punk one day, you know, then switch on right on over to, you know, German techno house or just some crazy off the wall music. Uh, yeah. That's what's great about like radio stations like that. It's just, it's an explosion, a complete explosion of music. I mean, are you, totally. are you, do you normally listen to like a lot of different music? Yeah. I'm, I am as, uh, I'm pretty much as sporadic as it gets. And it's like, it's like to a point where it's almost weird. Like I like, I like too many things. Like I've, I know, and especially coming from a uh, more band and like specifically like punk rock background, it's um like people are very close minded. It's like, we like what we like and this is like our shit. Um, and I like grew up in that and I was always like, yo, I mean, I like this, but I'll also go listen to, you know, like anything else. Like I would go to, um, oh, like anything, go watch world bands at the, uh, musical instrument museum or like, um, like dive super deep into, um, like Hawaiian reggae and like everyone else, everyone like around me is like, doesn't get it. But like, to me, it's so fun to like explore. It's like, I want to learn. I just like different types of music and I get sick of things really quick. So it's like on the way to, um, if I'm going to office max to get, like soy sauce. Um, <laughs> Do they have soy sauce at Office Max? <laughs> uh, I don't know. If they don't, then I'm going to have to get them to order it in. I, I feel like they could because Office Max, um, a lot of those places do have like a lot of food. They'll have like, like sna- the snack food and new, condiments. Like the Nutella uh, stick packs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Those are hot right and now. Skittles. They'll have those Skittles. are hot right now. Yeah. Those, Skittle, Skittles are. are always hot. Yeah, they they ain't never been cold. <laughs> uh, but so on the way there, I'll listen to like jazz fusion. You know, I'll put on like Jocko Pastorius, like Weather Report, and jam out. And then on the way home, I'm listening to like UK grime, hip hop about selling drugs. And then like I get home. And then I want to listen to like 432 Hertz by Nora Wave. You know, <laughs> it, I mean, it is that sporadic. My, really? I don't know what it is. Like my brain. You just need something new. And I hope that's not like a strive for dopamine or something. Cause I don't, I don't like see it as that. It's just sort of like. You know, I'm like curating the soundtrack to my life and Mm -hmm. that sounds so funny. That sounds like something Kim Kardashian would say. (laughs) He's like, so the reason why I need to pick 
she like asks the Uber driver if they have an aux cord, and he's like, "Ah, uh, yeah, but it's in the trunk, and we're on the highway. I don't want to have to pull over. I mean, your exit's two away." And she's like, "Well, uh, the soundtrack to my life didn't include Guns and Roses, or whatever." Is like, can you turn this off? Um, you know, I felt like I sounded like that. I didn't mean it like that. I just mean like. Well, now that you said that, I feel like it did sound like that. But before you yeah. said that, it didn't feel like that. Well, good. I, I wanna, <laughs> I wanna expose myself for the empty fake that I am. But to me, I, I don't know. I really enjoy instrumentation, which I think a lot of people who I grew up with have less of a. Um, not a lot of people I grew up with. Most of my close friends are very much in the same boat as I am. But a lot of people in like the rock scene we grew up in, it was all just like, oh, raw motion. And like, that's amazing. I love that and music. But I also really love, you know, listening to a six minute medley, um, like a jazz fusion thing and hearing like a bass player work his way through eight keys, you know, seamlessly and like uh, just like masterful musicianship across the board, you know, listening to like really good jazz bands. And I'm just enamored by it's less of like a raw emotion thing and more like I'm enamored by, um, you know, the musicianship and like the cleverness, the way Mm. that someone who's really good never quite does what you're expecting but like does one better in a way that you didn't think was you know like they're constantly just like oh fuck i mean you wouldn't have even thought of doing that and like it's all in like real time and it's just like keeps it's like i don't know that's a fun ride for me and it's most fun when um i don't know what to expect and so exploring new types of music and latching on to like the instrumentation is like you know, uh, fun like watching a TV show is fun. Well, I feel like you definitely you do that in your music. I mean, it's so different. I mean, you may make bass music, but you know, every song feels like its own entity, if you will. So you know, you're constant looking for exploring and you know, kind of just not staying put with one specific genre. You know, it it shows in your music. You can definitely tell. But I'm glad that that shines through in a sense. I mean, I definitely try, though, to it would be a lie if I was like, wow, I guess my I guess it just rubs off on me. It's in a sense, you could say that because it's like I get inspired. So like I'll hear maybe something in like a jazz record and I'm like, that beat was so cool. Um you know, how can I, like, make it work in something? And maybe I'll just end up, like, doing it for, like, part of a break or, like, a build-up or something minor. But, like, I'm just always, like, I'm trying to bring in elements from things that aren't dance music. Because I, like, don't listen to... I'm very, very, very... Like, one out of every ten times I get in the car do I put on dance music. Really? It's just not something you listen to? I don't. I don't ever. It's been a long time since I've 
like just tossed on some uh like dubstep you know i mean i'll definitely throw on drum and bass so there's no, i don't know if it this makes me an elitist now that i just said that but uh, you know every <laughs> if i am listening to dance music it's like usually you know drum and bass or like um like halftime you know beats it's very european of you no not not the halftime well the drum and bass i meant yeah the drum and bass sure I mean, but More to so. me it's to me it's the exact same tip i'm talking about though i'm enamored by instrumentation and mm-hmm. like you know like impressive skills masterful um musicianship and where else are you going to find that what better place to find that in electronic music than drum and bass very true am i right very true you know like drum and bass is a finesse genre yeah it's a you know it takes a lot to get it right and i like i have a lot of appreciation for it i like to listen to it are, are, do you produce drum and bass at all? Yeah. I mean, I've made I've made a few drum and bass tunes. Um, the song I did for the Disney soundtrack was drum and bass. Nice. So you did a Disney soundtrack. I just did. I contributed a song for Disney's um, Tron video game. Okay, nice. So if That's you a- play... The Tron video game, one of the levels is my song. That's, it that's doesn't pretty, say my name, but yeah, that's a pretty unique job. Yeah, how, it was how interesting. Did, how, how did you get that? Like your, your um, manager or anything? Yeah, yeah, my manager. Um, yeah, it was interesting. They sent like a long list of like criteria and stuff of like sort of what. Like, they gave, like, a BPM range, which was cool because I was, like, you know, I'd always, if if someone's going to give me a BPM range, I would definitely be pretty happy for it to fall within the drum and bass range because now it's, like, hey, I have no choice. This may take me three weeks with no sleep to uh, get it to where I'm happy, but... uh, I'm all for it. You know, I like pushing, pushing myself. And drum and bass is always, you know, pushing yourself. Especially because I'm not, like, I'm by no means, like, a seasoned drum and bass producer. I I just like listening to it, made a few songs that I think are decent. I don't know. So are you getting, like, other jobs? Like, so you, of course, have your artist project, James and Thieves, bass music. Are you producing for, like, what other jobs do you get? And kind of how do you get them? Are you looking for any other jobs? Working with video games, more video games? Working with, you know, movies at all? Well, um, I did some scoring work for a short film last year. Um, I... Did the Tron thing. I've got a couple songs licensed in movies. So essentially, they're taking songs I've already released as an artist and just paying to be able to use them in their movie. I have a song coming in 
um, the new Underworld movie. Um, and then, um, yeah, maybe maybe a couple commercials. But, uh, yeah, those are nice because you don't have to do any extra work. And then on top of that, I have other work like um, I do like lessons and sort of like mentoring things with people. And I like doing that. Um, I've taught like music production for just like four or five years now. And I don't think I'm like a super conventional teacher, but um, what do you mean? I think I'm gonna more I'm gonna like I'll teach like fundamentals and stuff but I feel like a lot of people don't really care so I'm more there to just like show you what you want to know now so rather than being like okay here's like here's our first lesson we're gonna go over how EQs work I'm just like hey, uh, what do you want to know? And they're like, I want to be able to use Melodyne. Then, all right, then let's, I'll record some like shitty vocal line or something on the mic and then we'll sit and like tune it and like do everything you need to do to take a vocal from, you know, point A to like a pretty, pretty good sounding final thing. Um, so it's very much more so, uh, you know, I'm more of just like a open book in a sense, like, like you can, people can ask me whatever you don't even, it doesn't even have to be production. It can just, you can just ask me questions. But, um, so in that sense, it's like less structured, but if someone does want to learn in a structured way, um, I've definitely done that for, Mm. uh, for like a job before and like i still do it with some people so i can do that but typically it's just like hey we're we've got a couple hours just whatever you want my input on let me know nice nice it's always good to see other you know bigger producers you know helping out and you know tutoring other people and giving you know advice and I feel like that's definitely needed in the scene to kind of, you know, spread, you know, good information, you know, kind of give producers new ways of looking at things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no better way to get good quick than to, uh, spend time around people like better than you. Right. Which is, which is really hard with producing because, it's such a, uh, isolated thing, you know, like the internet and stuff makes it not, but like really sitting down in person and like working with people who are really good. It's really rare that you get in situations where you're sitting down with other musicians and you're like seeing into their workflow and all of that. So, I mean, that's one, one reason why I think like the, you know, podcasts with artists and, um, like master classes and stuff like that are, are super cool because it's almost like you're sitting down with them. But the only thing is when you're actually sitting down with them, you can like ask questions and, uh, you know, you could tailor where that exploration goes and that has its own value. 
Mm-hmm. No, de- no, definitely, definitely. So, I mean, you've you've taught producers of kind of all skill levels, yeah. Yeah. At, at this point, I mean, I don't think I've taught anyone who. Yeah, I mean, I I guess I did a class at CU Boulder um, on Ableton, and I prepared this big thing about like showing off sample manipulation in Ableton and how I could take like the sound of a drop of water and turn it into a kick drum and then turn it into a snare drum through like processing and effects and then turn like that into hi-hats and then have a whole beat that I just made out of a raindrop and everyone was sitting there staring at me like how do you even like like (laughs) these people had never opened a DAW in their life. And I didn't know that they were going to be that beginner. These were people who were like thinking about maybe getting into music production, but I thought that they were all going to be like, you know, producers and people really into it. Funnily enough, snails was there while (laughs) I did this, um, like class basically on sound design. And I like looked up and saw him, like he wasn't like watching, but he was he was in the same room. You could definitely hear it, and I was just like, "Oh my god, <laughs> uh, <laughs> fuck me!" But uh, <laughs> that's pretty funny. It's yeah, a bunch, bunch of like producers just thinking about getting into production, and then there's snails watching yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, glancing on over, eating nachos. <laughs> he was, but uh, so I mean, you, yeah. You, so that was the most beginners beginner. But I wasn't really teaching. I basically did that, like sweat out all of the things I could have done better and uh, moved on. Have you <laughs> have you noticed <laughs> have you noticed anything like at least when I review tracks or I do like a and a there'll be kind of recurring themes in less experienced producers uh, from intermediate to beginners. Do you notice any like common problems in people's productions that you see uh, more often? Um, I mean, it's sort of different depending on the people, but I guess like, you know, I'll, uh, well, I'll just an example. One thing I see a lot is like people don't can't necessarily hear width very well yet. So they don't understand like, the overwhelming sides on certain things and how like if you don't tame your sides it it really like it's hard to listen to even though it makes sound sound cooler but then also their sound won't come through in mono because it's like just serum like with a delay like a quick like 15 millisecond delay with like the feedback up and then like into a comb filter into a flanger so it's just all phasing and so um then once you put that in mono there's nothing left and like a lot of people will like you know try to get those crazy sounds or like open up a cymatics patch and a lot of the cymatics like not a lot of them a couple of like cool cymatic sounds are like way too stereo to uh you know, even playing a club, they sound crazy though, and they know that anyone opening them up in uh, a fucking DAW is not on a mono system, so it doesn't really matter there. But like, you got to be careful about um, 
you're with, or at least just like conscious of it. It's like what sounds you choose to put super wide and what sounds you usually choose to put like mono then. Like how are you making that kind of just judgment call, I guess? I like anything that is characteristic of the track to really shine through. So things that I will push to be more stereo are things like cymbals and hi-hats and ambient sounds and uh, effects. I'll mess with those all day because they don't make the track what it is. I don't get me wrong. I'll like I'll have leads and I'll have like vocals and stuff in stereo, but um, if I'm really pushing width, like it doesn't matter if some of this disappears. So I'll like experiment more. That's mostly more of like I'll do that with hi hats and like tambourines, like sibilant percussion. And then you'll keep just really the meat of your track in mono or at least not in mono yeah i I mean i'll make sure that it's much stronger mono signal you know like there could be sides like (coughs) but (coughs) only there the sides should only be there to enhance not define and with like the really crazy phasey sounds um really all of that side information is defining the sound it's not it's not like adding you know sugar into the uh cookie it's more like the cookie is based off of the stereo information so then you're like digging yourself a hole by trying to you know make that work in mono yeah so many producers will just at least you know more of the beginner and intermediate will just push the sides as hard as they can it seems like they feel like in order to get their sound fat, they need to make everything wide. But I feel like, you know, you kind of have an example that I like to use is, you know, you just you can't tell the depth if everything is wide. You need to have something narrow in order to really feel the width. Yeah, there's definitely like a duality when like wide doesn't exist without narrow. Um, there you go. That's that's a good one. <laughs> but at the but at the same time when something is super wide and everything's really wide, if you listen to something that's like nice and centered and then you listen to that, it's weird. I don't know how to tangibly describe it other than it feels like I can't reach out and grab it. You know that, when things are super like, wide. Yeah, when things are like, or if there's just a track where too many things are mixed wide, it just feels like this weird, like I can't like hook onto it in a weird way. But like, you know, when something, even just like simple things that are just centered or just like more uh, tactfully, they feel like you could grab them. I don't know how to describe it any other way. You just get lost in the width forever. It's It definitely... Um, it's like hard to listen to a little bit, like super wide stuff. I feel like, yeah, super wide stuff is just, yeah, it's, it, you need to have that mono balance with certain elements. It's just, you gotta have it. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, 
most clubs are still mono, so it's true. And you think about like a laptop speaker or a phone speaker or a phone speaker, which I mean, think how many times your songs are played out on phones. No, I know. Um, when I look at my SoundCloud stats and I see that half of the listens are from iPhones. Are they really? That's one of the reasons why I was like, all right, I don't need to spend an extra week mixing this. <laughs> Have you mixed in mono at all? Have you experimented with that? Oh, I always switch and make sure that like everything's coming through the way I want in mono and stereo. So I guess... I mix in mono as part of the process, but I don't like just mix a song completely in mono. Do you see any benefit in doing that? Mixing a song completely in mono? Yeah. Well, it's not going to be mono at the end, no. Because why wouldn't... I mean, you can put it on mono, and then you can put it back to everything and make adjustments and then go back to mono. Why do you have to keep it on mono the whole time? You know, I'll always hear that producers will be like, oh, yeah, I just mixed everything in mono. You know, that's the way to go. Because their just... parents never loved them. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> the, they say mono, but they mean mamo. <laughs> that one's for the blooper reel. Just kidding. That's, that one's for the highlight reel. <laughs> <laughs> that one's definitely for the highlight reel. <laughs> what about, like, that pink noise mixing? You ever get into that? You know what? Bunch of fucking nerds, y'all. <laughs> yeah, I totally got into it. Of course I did. I got into everything there's to get into. I did that. I have done that. Um, I guess, I don't know. I either hit a point of trusting my ears more or giving way less of a fuck if people thought my shit was perfect. And... You know what? I'm gonna if it, if what I made gets the message, not that everything I put out has a message, but it gets like the the package, you know, like the feeling, the the emotion, whatever I'm trying to convey. Like as long as that's coming across and there's no problems that make it hard to listen to, then it's done. I gotcha. Yeah, people are really caught up in all, you know, you know, as we mentioned earlier, you know, the perfect mix, spending so much time on the mix, doing all these different techniques. Uh, well, but- sorry, go on. I don't want to cut you off. No, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say one thing is um, over time, you know, I've gotten so much more picky with what uh, – that was, smooth, that was a smooth transition right there. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, <laughs> um, <clears throat> I'm just picky about what parts I keep. And typically when I make a part that I'm going to keep, it sounds pretty good. And like it, it sounds like there's, there's not much I have to do to it. You know, I don't have to crunch my head on how I'm going to mix this for it to work. It works when the part is made and I like tweak it a little bit or else I'm moving on to another part. So I think when I was a beginner, one thing I would do is like make stuff and it would be like, Oh, that's like 
pretty much what I'm going for and move forward and then come back and be like, well, now that I'm mixing, I need it to sound like this and that. And like the reality is a lot of the things you're hearing in your head that you need this, like you want to make this sound like isn't going to happen. That sound is just not really it or I don't know any, any combination of that. And so I think a lot of the time I would, waste mixing things and trying to fix uh parts that weren't that good to try to make them work um i just spend now deleting more things and keeping things when i'm just like you know they just it makes complete sense that it's there and in like in a weird way it's just like yeah this is what's supposed to be here and it already sounds good too so the balls in your court, you know, if you're not putting things in your music that like, you know, need to be fixed and you're putting it in there as you go. So if you hear stuff and it's not working, then like I'm a proponent of fixing it right away, like figuring out, figuring it out and only adding things that are productive towards like this overall thing sounding good. And there's no point in working on something like ideologically and then going through and having to like sew up a bunch of uh, loose threads to try to put this doll to this rag doll together that may never even look like, you know, a cabbage patch kid. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think with the, with, even with the terrible analogy, uh, I think you get what I would meant, right? No, 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 definitely. I, you know, I've listened to a lot of different podcasts with producers that, you know, give great advice, go over tons of, you know, helpful tips that you could take away. But the podcast that we had here, the kind of your mindset, how you approach productions, it's really the mindset. I feel like how you approach your songs and what producers should take away from this podcast. Sure, there were lots of, you know, jokes going on here and there, but, you know, how you approach music, the experimentation, the constantly looking to improve yourself, the time spent into productions, the purpose of writing music. I think that's what really matters. All the techniques and all the finding out how to mix and, you know, doing your pink noise mixing, all that will follow, I feel, if you have the right mindset and you're kind of knowing why you want to make music. Um, So this is going to be it for this podcast. Uh, I want to thank everyone for listening. Um, I would definitely listen to this podcast again and listen to what Jake is, is really talking about. Um, take note, as I said, I interview a lot of artists and, you know, of course I get those, you know, EQ hundred Hertz here or whatever, but it's really the mindset. That's what's going to make you a better producer. That is what is going to make you really, yeah, just a better producer. <laughs> I went on a super long tangent there. <laughs> no, I mean, but, that was like a quarter of the length of half of a quarter of the length of some of mine, so you're good. <laughs> so, yeah, that's going to do it for this podcast. Except. 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 I am going on tour this summer. 
I can't announce anything specific yet, but keep your eyes peeled. I would use the other mic and to. I would use the other mic to talk about where they could find you. <laughs> that way, we're not lost in the echo. Hey, folks! <laughs> Another smooth I transition. Am, thank you. I am going on tour this summer. Um, go to jamesthieves.com for dates or follow me on social media. Those should be announced pretty soon about the next one. I'm going to a bunch of places, so uh, I will see you guys there. And if you see me, come say hi, and we can have a conversation just as weird, if not weirder, as the one here, but shorter. <laughs> sweet, sweet. Yeah. Thanks again, Jake. Episode. Hare Krishna. <laughs> Hare Krishna. You know, I I don't even I don't even need to end the episode. Let's just end on that. Say it one more time, with the with the echo, with the space echo. All right. Get a good delay on this one this time. Your best one. No pressure. So that's going to do it for the second episode of Why Sound Works, the interview with Jameson Thieves. I hope you guys got plenty of tips, tricks, and really understand the mindset that is needed to progress with your musical productions from Jameson Thieves, as this is really the big takeaway from this podcast. And I hope you got a little comedic relief there. If you guys would like to hear a particular artist on the podcast, feel free to send me an email at daniel at soundshockaudio.com that is daniel at soundshockaudio.com and I'll get in contact with this artist. If this podcast helped you out in any way at all or you just enjoyed the entertainment that the podcast provided, I'd really appreciate it if you left a review and comment on iTunes as if you found this podcast helpful or entertaining, I'm sure other people will as well. Also be sure to check out the number one spot on the web for the modern music producer, soundshockaudio.com, where all your music production needs are met, as there are free plugins, presets, samples, loops, and contact instruments, as well as the most comprehensive music production tutorials available, all on the site for you for free. So check out soundshockaudio.com. This is Daniel from the Why Sounds Work podcast. Until next time.